0: Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. stop! Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal
1: scorer on the team. Drew one in it. Score! It's the T.C. Martin
2: Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are here
0: time to get your daily prescription from The Doctor. A power play goal by the captain, T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fudd. right from front. Younger, Bennett, side of the net. Score! Giroux! The Doctor is now in. Our number deuce here on a Wednesday. Glad to have you with us. Don't forget, get on over to the William Hill Sportsbooks and get involved with the mobile app if you don't have it already. Get the app and get some free money in your account. That's right. When you open a brand-new William Hill account, download it on your phone, get over to the Cosmopolitan or any of the William Hill sportsbooks around town, the kiosk, it doesn't matter. You deposit at least $50 in your account, use the promo code TC50. Do that, and it'll give you an additional $50. Free money to play with, and why not? Six NFL playoff games this weekend. Of course, we've got the National Championship game Monday night. We've got college basketball, the NBA, a whole lot more. And you could have bet... The, well, maybe you couldn't have bet, or could you have bet, the junior championships, the hockey junior championships. Breaking news, should we go to our on-the-spot reporter reporting live from Finland? No, actually, that'd be Canada. Icebox Frank, what's going on? Uh, it, it's ballpark, Frank. <laughs> um, yes. No, you can't be ballpark because they don't have a ballpark with hockey. No, so I don't care. The- I'm
1: not changing my name because Icebox Frank's is stupid. Just because there was the refrigerator in Chicago... <laughs> You wanted me to be that no. like, 10 years ago. No,
0: no, no. It, was, no. it was four years ago. No, whatever. And it was just for this story. Ain't it ain't happening. Wasn't per, it wasn't permanently, for goodness sakes. So slow your roll. It wasn't just for this story. It was for the stories back
1: then. Well, back then? When, when I was the referee for the shootout with, was, with Ryan and Nick.
0: That was beautiful.
1: It was fun. Icebox Frank was good, though. But yes, USA get the victory. Team Canada coming into the game outscoring their opponents 41 to four loaded that team Canada. uh yeah uh, all four Those 16
0: of their, year olds are loaded yeah their
1: top um f- all four lines first round draft picks on every one of them but USA gets it done and Zagras who uh was the MVP of the tournament tied the record for uh United States for most points in a junior tournament had a goal in and an assist in that game and he came up before the game and said who have they beaten we've played a much tougher competition they win the game 2 to nothing. Spencer Knight gets the shutout for the USA. Peyton Krebs not looking happy for Team Canada. He was not uh, happy at all, but congratulations. USA gets it done 2-0. They win, and Team Canada has to not only watch the USA get their gold medals while they're getting their silver, they have to stand there as the National Anthem is playing. Canadian kids, we're not happy about it, but... Uh, Kudos to Team USA, and I actually think the better team actually won. I mean, they, they really outplayed them in, in that particular game. Canada got off to a good start, but Team USA took over, put a lot of shots on net, and, uh, and when all was said and done, I think the better team won, although Canada was sensational throughout the majority of the tournament.
0: All right, right. Sportsmanship, come on, Canadians. I'm sure they had good sportsmanship.
1: Oh, they had just well, sportsmanship. Well, they they and, you know,
0: stood there, they, heard the anthem played, you know. But it's got to be painful, especially on your home soil. And remember,
1: yeah. it probably means more up in Canada than it does here in the United States, although it's certainly uh, more popular down here now, and, you know, a lot of kids were watching in that. But but that's got to be tough. And And I will say this for Team Canada. All the pressure was on them because of all of their number one draft picks and having such a stacked roster and that. But the USA came and they got the job done. And a lot of people were talking about it. If Spencer Knight plays like he's capable of, he can steal a game. When you don't give up any goals, you're going to win a hockey game, and that's exactly what he did. Started off slow in in the tournament against Russia, but really found his groove and got a lot better and played sensational towards the end.
0: All right. Golden Knights. Don't forget, uh, training camp underway. They're uh, into day number, what, three now uh, yep. with that. And uh, January 14th, start playing uh, for real with that. So, and uh, we'll see. What is. Still no fans allowed at T-Mobile Arena and for a majority of the arenas throughout the NHL. We know in Canada, you just talked about, you know, the juniors and playing the national anthem. It, it, it still loses a little bit for me, and I think for, you know for everybody involved who's watching, and even those players. I, I know you're, you're, you know, you, you love standing up there and hearing the national anthem, but man, it means something too when you've got fans in the stands, and not just fans in the stands, but you got your family up there watching, like a lot of these players normally do. Oh, family, friends, everybody, yeah, yeah for sure. You know, so still, still missing that, you know, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I know that a lot of the Golden Knights have been, you know, asked about. Well, you know, what's it? We're going to be like playing in an empty T-Mobile Arena, you know. it's You know, last year, you know, again, they they're in the bubble. It was different. You were, yeah, it's one you thing to here. play it
1: in Rogers Place, exactly. that's not your home ice.
0: Exactly. So now it's it's going to be strange. We see NBA teams, you know, doing that as well this year. But yeah, it's going to be going to be stranger. We're a couple of weeks away from finding that out.
1: And and when you're talking about the Golden Knights, too, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to catch this or not, but Pete DeBora announcing today that they're going to do one of their scrimmages. Later at night to get them ready to playing in game time situations right before that first game. So, have them acclimated to being on the ice at that time. I don't think that's necessarily a big problem, but an interesting thing and probably something that's a smart thing to do because the season's right around the corner. It is.
0: It is. All right. Look forward uh, to that. All right. Nick Bogdanovich is going to join us a little bit later on. We start talking a little NFL. Uh, We talk a little NFL, future NFL. Uh, number one overall pick, we know it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. He made it official today, the Clemson quarterback, leaving Clemson to enter the NFL draft. He still had one year of eligibility left. Uh, The junior leaves Clemson third in school history. And I think that surprises a lot of people that he was third. A lot of people think, oh, this guy was such a great quarterback, and Dabo Sweeney has, you know, tabbed him as like, hey, the best guy basically has come out of his program, at least at the quarterback position. Third in school history in passing yards at – almost 11,000 10,998 yards. He was second in touchdown passes with a total of 90. So he made the obvious decision today that hey, I'm I'm leaving Clemson. I'm going to play and more likely than not he will be a Jacksonville Jaguar. I don't think there ever was a doubt. I know a lot of people were saying, "Well, he doesn't want to go play for the Jets when the Jets were, you know, clinging to that number 1 pick uh, until they You know, won a couple games there towards the end. Until they blew their must-lose games. Exactly. But (laughs) Trevor Lawrence would have been a Jet. He's going to be a Jaguar. I am not 100% certain that his game is going to translate into immediate success or maybe even success, period, at the NFL level. I think people just automatically see a guy throw up all these kind of crazy numbers in college and they think, oh, he's going to be great in the NFL. People thought that with Tua had my reservations, and we saw how this year went. Um, Trevor Lawrence, what we saw last week, it, it's got to hit some, some NFL scouts and some NFL coaches in their head. Because, yeah, like Trevor Mattis just told us, Lawrence threw for 400 yards, but he didn't have the big-time completions. He missed a lot of receivers. He threw the ball behind many receivers in that game. And, of course, when you get to the NFL, everything speeds up dramatically. Receivers aren't wide open like they are in college. Absolutely, and depending on where you're going, you're going to a 1-15 in Jaguar team that needs a major overhaul. I mean, we've seen this before. Team uh, Quarterbacks that go to these teams, no immediate success. I mean, you need to have a staunch offensive line. You need to have a running game. You need to have some great wide receivers. So if people are thinking that Trevor Lawrence is going to be all of that right away, I'm just saying... Buyer beware, caveat emptor. Well, and also, uh, you know, be careful what you ask for because he's
1: kind of, you know, like you said, he mentioned the fact that maybe he didn't want to go to the Jets or at least reports were that he said that. We don't know for a fact. There was no audio of him actually saying that. But now he's going to go to the team that uh, apparently he would rather go to. But, yeah, there's a lot of work down there. And I still think his biggest problem might be when you have an owner that says, I'm still making personnel decisions. I don't get that. The team has been terrible – Forever, And what is one of the reasons for that? Because of the guy making personnel decisions. They, they don't have the right people there. They've had some decent players here and there, but have they ever been a real threat? Have they ever been somebody that you go look out for the Jags this year? There's been years that we thought, oh, this year they're going to be better, kind of like we do with the Lions all the time, and then they never live up to those expectations. And they need more than Trevor Lawrence to turn that team around and make them not only a good team but certainly a playoff team and a team to contend for the Super Bowl or something like that is way down the road. Could it happen? Troy Aikman was 1 in 15 his rookie season. But uh, I don't see the same type of growth there unless they make some massive changes. And to me, one of those changes has to be you need to have football people making football yeah. decisions. Well,
0: let's let's be fair to the Jaguars here. I mean, this is not a franchise that is comparable to the Browns and the Lions. I mean, they've had success. I mean, they've gotten you know deep in into playoffs before, and they've had some pretty good personnel. And really, they, they were known. I mean, you go back when Brunel was their quarterback and— you know when they got Blake Bortles I mean he never materialized anything that was kind of like the downfall of Jacksonville but they still had a pretty staunch defensive front and their defense was pre- pretty darn good they they could cover they could do some things but it seems like when this ownership this owner took over that's when things kind of started going south and When he comes out the other day and says, "Yeah, I'm going to be making those decisions," it made you think about Jerry Jones. But like I said yesterday, Jerry Jones was a little bit more believable because Jerry Jones, I mean, he was a a scholarship college football player. He played, you know, at at a high level in college. He, you know, he he got it to a certain degree. Now, Jerry Jones will always be, you know, lambasted for trying to put too much on his shoulders and wanting to, his, his hand in, into so many decisions. But this guy, I don't see any football acumen in this owner of the Jaguars. Not at all. And and that could be a problem. But, I will say this, the Jags, despite 1-15, they were not one of those embarrassing 1-15s like we've seen with the Lions and the Browns where they were just non-competitive. I mean, they almost beat the Colts again last week. And just about every week, they lost by one score. Their games went down to the wire. They got hit hard by injuries, and again, they tried to play the quarterback carousel. They thought drafting Gardner Minshew out of Washington State, he was going to be the savior, and again, this guy didn't have an overly impressive career at Washington State, not at all. He had one decent season, and that's about it. So, yeah, Trevor Lawrence has had three solid years at Clemson where he had dynamite personnel around him, offensive linemen, all-Americans, Travis Etienne at running back, uh, the wide receivers, I mean, he's had all of that. And again, it's going to be much different. And I look at him, I like him better than I like Sam Darnold. But again, you know, Darnold didn't have, he had some weapons at USC, but you just didn't see his game really translating well in the NFL. And what I saw from Trevor Lawrence last week against Ohio State, man, it just, it scares me a little bit because he could not crack that defense last week. He put up some big numbers, but Ohio State has that bend to don't break defense. I'm thinking Mac Jones is going to have a better performance Monday night than Trevor Lawrence had last week.
1: Well, I think he's got he, – as good as Clemson is, I think that Jones has more talent around him. Uh, he's certainly got – as good as the weapons that Clemson are, again, like you mentioned it several times, they have three guys that were legitimate Heisman Trophy candidates on that field, including the guy that won at Smith, that wide receiver. So he does have a lot of weapons there. But, yeah, what I saw in Trevor Lawrence in that game – and, again – People that just look at stats are going to point to, well, look at all the yardage he threw to. But when they got into the red zone in that, they didn't necessarily always find ways to finish. They got some touchdowns when they were behind, so he did some things. But he looked frustrated, and he looked flustered. And this was from a team who didn't have much of a pass rush all season long, but they got a little bit of it there. So I'm not sure how that equates because, again, Jacksonville doesn't have the greatest line, the greatest talent out there. Now, like you said, they've had some success. In fact, they went to the AFC Championship game as early as 2017. So they do have some talent there, but uh, there's a lot to replace and fix there. And I'm not even sure that they really have that winning mentality down there or whatever. I I don't know how he fits in. The other thing is, are they going to immediately throw him right in there? As the starting quarterback, because he's a number one draft pick, are they going to let him have time to develop and maybe adjust to the speed of the game and everything else out there? Because we know that for most teams these days, that's not the case.
0: Two things in that. First of all, people get so wrapped up in total yardage. Tua had 361 yards last week against the Bills. He was awful. He threw three interceptions. They were never in that game because of Tua. Because he started off just dinking and dunking the entire first half. They got behind 28-6 to because of his mistakes and not throwing the ball downfield. And he added up some garbage yardage when the Bills went to their uh, second stringers on the defensive side of the ball. And Lawrence had 400 yards against Ohio State. But if you watch that game, the eye test tells you he was not impressive. But going back to to him being the number one overall pick, yeah, he's going to be the starting quarterback because it's not like he's got someone to learn from. I mean, Gardner Minshew and the other Ham that they have on that roster right now, there are no veteran leaders like you could do with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is not only a veteran in Fitzpatrick. They it, it, it had the situation with the Dolphins. They don't anymore because I'm sure Fitz, Fitzpatrick's going to be gone since, you know, the Dolphins GM said, hey, Tua's our guy next year. Oh, that, that's great. Goodbye, Fitz. But you know what I mean? That, that was a smart guy, too. An NFL veteran, a Harvard alum, you could learn from him. So Trevor Lawrence is going to get paid this astronomical amount of money. He's going to get a huge signing bonus because he's the number one overall guy. And he's going to get thrown in the fire. He will get thrown in the fire immediately, just like Jared Goff did. And it hasn't worked out for Jared Goff. And it could make him or break him. It could. It could. Because, again, not having not just the weapons, but the O-line. Okay? And Trevor Lawrence is kind of a guy like Tua, like Jalen Hurts, that he he doesn't see anything. He's going to use his legs, and that could kill you in the NFL. And that could kill you real fast here in the NFL, and that could take years off of your career. And you you want to be that dual threat. But we've seen Lamar Jackson get beat up the last couple seasons as well too. And in my belief, that's the reason why he hasn't won a playoff game his last two seasons because he's been dinged up by the time he gets to January. Well, the other risk that you do play – and I agree with
1: you. I think they are going to start him immediately. And maybe not only just because of the fact that they don't have somebody that he can learn under – like Aaron Rodgers did in Green Bay, like the other guys you mentioned, like Steve Young did with Joe Montana. I think even it has it a has, lot to do with it, though. Yeah, it, it does have something to do with it. In this situation, yeah. But you could still, without starting, if you have a good quarterback coach and a good coaching staff overall, you can still learn from watching the game and being there and being in the scrimmages and being in different parts. Throwing him directly into the fire is a dangerous thing because not only, like you mentioned, the injury or if he's using his legs too much, you could also change his whole mental aspect of it. He could lose his confidence. He could start thinking run before pass. He could get into bad habits playing for a bad team. You don't want to use a number one draft pick and destroy him before he gets a chance to really elevate and fall into his role. And I'll use the example again, and I know everybody else talks about Tom Brady. Yeah, that's an anomaly where he was drafted in that. The one that I always think of is Drew Brees. Drew Brees went to San Diego, and they gave up on him. They didn't think he could play quarterback. Now, Phillip Rivers, again, stat-wise and everything else, had a really good career, maybe arguably a Hall of Fame career, probably in a lot of people's mind. Was Phillip Rivers the better quarterback for the long haul in the NFL? No, Drew Brees was, but they
0: gave up on him. Well, you know, in that situation right there, okay, that was a a personnel blunder. It wasn't because because when you line those two guys up and you remember this, when Drew Brees in college at Purdue compared to Phillip Rivers at NC State, there was no comparison who the better quarterback was. It was Drew Brees. I mean, his mechanics, everything. You look at Philip Rivers; they were making fun of him because he throws the ball funny. He's, he's, yeah, he's kind like of shot putting it, out, shot exactly, putting and, it and he it's like a little side exactly. Um, quarter, and they fell in love with that. And the reason why the whole thing that came down to them selecting Rivers over Breeze was ridiculous. It was the height. Yep. Rivers was the taller guy. He's like six three, and Drew Breeze, Well, we're measuring this guy only maybe at five nine. So we don't want it. This guy can't be successful because he's the shorter quarterback. But people remember when he started there, he put up some good numbers and had some good games. And they said, we're going to go with Rivers. That was a mistake. It wasn't because that that he was better. It's because he was four or five inches taller than Drew Brees. That's the only reason. And I'm not sure that anybody else makes that same blunder than the San Diego Chargers that time. That was on them. And and I don't like when people say, well, yeah, they gave up on this. Everybody would have done that. No, not at all. And look what happened. He goes to the Saints. They say, this is our guy, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and he's going to be going in as a Saint because they saw the value in him, didn't give up on him. And they let the guy play. They let him mature. And still, now people want to rag on him a little bit, like they do Brady, saying, "Okay, the guy's in his 40s and this and that." And now, what's going to happen this weekend? You know, what's it, is is Kamar going to have to carry this team, or you know, Breeze? Maybe he can't do it. I I think that he can do it, but it, it all depends on your health, depends your surrounding weapons, the talent, and the coaches, like you said. That that you're with, and that has everything to do with it.
1: Well, and it also has something to do with it, the game plan that you put in there and everything else. But again, one of the reasons they also gave up on Breeze besides the height, and I agree with you there. By the way, on his and his uh, bio in that they list him as six feet, <laughs> it's probably a little bit. Um, oh, sure, you yeah. know, probably a little bit uh, shorter than that. But yeah, but when it does come to Breeze, he, they also said he couldn't win games. Well, they didn't have the weapons around him to win games at that point, and that, and that's what I'm wondering again. And I'm going to go back to it. When you have an owner making all the decisions, if Lawrence comes in there and he doesn't win right away, are they going to hold that against him? Or are they going to be logical enough and not blame him for the losses? Because you know, the number one draft pick, they're expecting to have a quick turnaround. You know, they're going to think, well, we should be at least eight and eight right now. We got the number one quarterback or whatever. What are the expectations in that? Are they going to be realistic? Are they going to let him develop? And are they going to rush him in too soon? I don't know the answers to that. I I do think I know the answer to Mm the last one. I think we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. They're going to play him. They're not drafting him number one
0: to hold a clipboard, but maybe they should at least consider it. Well, he's at a huge disadvantage for a number of other reasons, too, because you're starting over. You don't have a head coach right now. You don't have a general manager right now. So you are in flux, and you're sitting there at the owner, and you're spouting off your mouth saying he's in charge of the personnel. You haven't made any hires yet. You haven't made any hires and then you're gonna get him as, as number one. This is gonna take time to get a GM and a head coach and hire him at the same time and the number one overall pick. If you go back in history, that takes time and most of the time it doesn't even work out. So yeah, Jacksonville's got a huge uphill climb here. And you're right. There's they're gonna expect miracles from this guy right away. But man, I'm telling you, I've I've been a Trevor Lawrence Guy, I liked him, but I'm telling you, I like Mac Jones a lot better than Trevor Lawrence this year. And I'm I'm looking at the entire season this year, not just what happened last week with uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence losing against Ohio State. Uh, real quick, talking about bad situations, the Philadelphia Eagles. More player comments uh, coming out today. Want to hit this uh, again? We've been hammering Doug Peterson, and deservedly so. We mentioned yesterday during our Terrible Tuesday segment, running back Miles Sanders said, if I'm being honest, nobody liked the decision to pull Jalen Hurts from the game and bring in Nate Sudfield. He goes, nobody. That's all I can say. I don't know who was the main person behind that decision, but all I know is a lot of people on the team were confused. Well, center Jason Kelsey today said that he went up to Doug Peterson and asked him if he was taking Hurts out. He said, yes, I think Nate's earned the right to play. Everyone else is st- – in then Kelsey asked him, he goes, is everyone else staying in? And Peterson said, absolutely. And this is Kelsey going on to say it today. At no point was anything – was there anything for me or anyone else confrontational. Did not uh, confront Doug Peterson in a physical manner at all. We all knew leading into the game that Sudfield was told by Peterson to be ready to play and that Doug wanted to see what he could do in a game situation. All of us during the week leading up, we're excited for Nate because he's been with us for four years to get an opportunity in a real game to show the world what he can do. We all have complete confidence in Nate as a player. There's a reason he's been here for this long and a reason the team brought him back. But that's because we feel Nate is a guy that we can win with. So the last part is a lot of rhetoric. But he did say this as he closed. He goes... The big issue was the timing of it all, and that's what everybody has the problem with. If you want to look at Nate Sudfield, you'll look at him before. And then uh, Kelsey went all also to say that, you know, hey, it didn't matter if we won this game or not. I mean, we're still going home, but yes, we wanted to win this game, and their better chance to win the game was with Jalen Hurts. Well, and there's, a, there's a couple other things when he says, yeah, there's a reason he's
1: been on this team for four years. Yeah, there's also a reason he hasn't played in four years. Exactly. Because he's not that good. (laughs) And for you to say that there was nobody confrontational. Well, when you were on the field was when we heard that defensive players were the ones that had to be held back. So you would have been on the field probably concentrating on your job. Maybe you didn't see that other stuff going on there. I'm not saying he's lying because he probably didn't see it. But I do believe that there was a lot of friction there. I do believe that there were some players that maybe didn't have to be restrained and held back, but that certainly weren't happy with it. And by his own admission there when he's asking is he coming in and that kind of stuff, that means even he was questioning the move at the time, oh, yeah. and like you said, the timing of it. You can try to be the perfect teammate. You can try to have your coaches back, everybody else's back in that. The bottom line is it was a bad decision. It looks incredibly bad on the team. It looks like an incredibly stupid thing for Peterson, and I'm sorry. If you believe in conspiracy theories, and I don't always, but
0: this is one I could actually buy into – They've played to lose the game. Yeah. no, And and again, when you are down 17-14 and you're making play calls, ah, fourth and five, what the heck? And that that's the – and I, I'm not being cavalier about that. I mean, that's was the attitude. Fourth and five, ah, let's go for it. You kick the field goal, you tie the game. You tie the game at 17-17 and, and you're in the ball game. And fourth and five, and then Hurts rolls out, he short-armed a, a, a ball and – you know, in the end zone, it wasn't there, but okay. And people point out, well, Jalen wasn't having that good a game. He was seven for 20. We'll throw that out. It was against Washington. We have no offensive line there in Philadelphia, but the 14 points that the Eagles scored were because of Jalen Hurts' two rushing touchdowns. And people are not pointing that out. Two rushing touchdowns here. And am I, you know, uh, like Jalen Hurts? Of course I do. I, again, he. You know, he, he deserved the the shot, did not deserve to be pulled. Uh, I was in favor of, of them pulling Carson Wentz because the team responded. Just like Ryan Fitzpatrick, I was in favor of, of, of him being the quarterback because the team responded to him and not Tua. We saw what happened with the Dolphins. And then you saw what happened with the Eagles. They said, what? You're bringing Hurts out after we had to go through all this drama three weeks ago and Wentz didn't even dress for that game on Sunday night. So he's not even suited up. And you're going to go to Sudfeld, and you want to see him? I just, no. If you want to see him, see him in exhibition games next year. That's what you do. And it it made no sense, and I'm with you, man. I'm not into the tanking thing, thing at all, but this was a tank. Oh, yeah, by the way, now we get the sixth pick instead of the ninth pick. Probably had something to do with it as well, too. But if you really had this plan, then why don't you tell? Jalen Hurts and tell the rest of the team, "Hey Nate, you're going to start the fourth quarter." Okay? Instead of that pass that I that I mentioned that that uh, he threw in the end zone on fourth and five, that was his last pass, last pass of the season. And who knows what's going to happen next year? Because now he's questioning it, saying Jalen Hurts saying, "Well, is this a home for me?" We know that Carson Wentz didn't talk to the media after the game. And now Carson Wentz is saying, "I need some time to chill and think about if I want to come back to Philadelphia." And you heard him, you know, going into last year. It's like, oh, this I want to end my career here. They paid him a boatload of money, the big contract. Philly is a mess, and part of the reason Philly's a mess is because of Doug Peterson. Oh, a big part of the reason. Oh, by the way, the other
1: thing, if Wentz did want to go, and it seems like he does, and I certainly don't blame him for wanting to go. Although, again, I think a lot of what happened in Philadelphia this year was because of his play, yes. and he he was created, terrible, and he created yep. a lot of that situation. But what is his value right now? You can't trade him. Nobody wants him. (laughs) No one wants that contract. He's coming off a terrible year. You overpaid him for the terrible year, and you benched him and went to a third-string guy in a game that you could have won. Yet, did it mean you were going to the playoffs? No, you weren't going anyhow. But you could have ended on a high note. You wanted to see the other kid? See him in the exit interview. And then in camp next year when you start the spring practices and that. It's obviously a tank job. From the coaches, not from the players. We talked about it all season long. When Tua played and when Fitzpatrick would come in, you would see the entire Dolphin team get a little more pep in their step. They'd have more energy. They'd be smiles. They're going, we're going to go and we're going to win this game. What did you see from Philadelphia? Everybody's head on a swivel going, what the hell's going on? There was no confidence. There was no thinking we're going to win this game. They were all looking like, what are we even doing out here? Why am I risking my life and my career to be out here right now when obviously they don't want to win? Completely different message. And the Eagles did this to themselves. And now they've got an overpaid quarterback coming off a terrible season
0: that's a huge negative for everything. Yeah. And they created it. And final thing with this is too that you invested in Jalen Hurts. You picked him at the top of the second round. And and you and you got him for a reason. And again, one of the most successful college quarterbacks of all time. You need to see Jalen Hurts. You don't need to see Nate Sudfield. You didn't invest nothing in Nate Sutfield. It was like, oh, this is a feel-good story. This guy's been with us four years. He hasn't got a chance to play. And like you said, there's a reason why he hasn't got to play. And I'm sorry, if you're eliminated or not, it's still the most important game at this point in time of the season. You got a chance to end your season on a winning note. And you, look what you're doing to your own team. All those players playing in the cold, playing in this. You know, we, we want to go out on a, on a good note, man. We've... Sacrificed so much this year. The season didn't go the way we wanted to, but we're playing. our you know what's off? So let's go and play. Oh, let's take it away from them again. Bad message. Bad scene. Bad everything. And going back to Jacksonville about what a work in progress with a. They don't have a GM. They don't have a head coach. They don't have a quarterback. They're gonna have a new quarterback philly's in that same situation heading into next season you don't know what's going to happen there with a quarterback situation and you don't know which players are going to want to come back and play for doug peterson oh and what about free agency after all the shenanigans you've seen with peterson you want to go sign to play in philadelphia good luck good luck with that i mean those situations are pretty similar i guess if there's a positive for philadelphia They're in the NFC East. Yeah, yeah, the least. (laughs) All right, we come back. We'll talk to Nick Bogdanovich from William Hill. We'll start breaking down some odds. We'll look at all six games and looking at the Super Bowl odds also.
2: Hello, I'm Stephanie. I'm from Germany. Yip yay yo Schweinebacke. When I'm in America, I'm listening to T.C. Martin Show. All right,
0: don't forget, get involved in the William Hill mobile app. If you don't have it by now, you got to get it. No doubt about it. You're real easy. Download it on your phone and go to one of the great William Hill sportsbooks and uh, use the promo code TC50. You do that. Uh, deposit at least $50 in a new account. They'll match it with an additional $50. Real easy to do. So do it. Use that promo code TC50 once you get it on your phone and deposit your money into your William Hill mobile account. It is so easy to use. Take advantage of the in-game wagering options, a plethora of stuff. And again, very, very easy to use. We've got the college football championship game on Monday, the NFL playoffs. We've got college basketball, the NBA. Now's the perfect time. Get the William Hill mobile app. Speaking of which, let's talk to our good friend, Nick Bogdanovich.
2: William Hill, what's going on, my man?
0: Just working away, buddy.
2: Uh, Plenty of uh, NBA and college basketball action today.
0: You got that right. All right. So, uh, Nick, let's talk a little football, though, as we have six games coming up. On Saturday and Sunday, I guess they're calling it the Super Wild Card Weekend. Looking forward to that. But uh, before I dive into that, I, I, I know it's a very popular time, too, where people kind of want to start looking at the Super Bowl odds again and start you know, I- investing here. And I know that you guys have been taking some pretty large bets uh, over the counter. Uh, let's, let's touch on a couple of those. Uh, who, who, are the, uh, who are the favorites, so to speak, that people are saying, Hey, uh, I, I'm putting down to quite, quite a bit of money here.
2: Yeah, no, the uh, Super Bowl handle's great. Uh, we're in pretty good shape. We lose with the Buccaneers, so we're trying to avoid Tom Brady's Cinderella story, uh, Super Bowl in their home field. So we're not real big Buccaneer fans, but uh, love to see the Ravens do it. Uh, they're playing hot football, and we do real well with them. But, yeah, like you said, uh, the, the action is quite brisk. Obviously, the most money bet is on the Chiefs. Most tickets bet is on the Chiefs. Uh, followed closely by the Packers, but yeah, people love betting uh, Super Bowl futures.
0: All right, Tampa Bay at uh, plus twelve hundred. That's twelve to one. Understand? You guys took uh, a large bet. What forty thousand dollars at twelve to one like that? So when you when you get action like that, is that something? I mean, obviously we know approval and that sort of thing. Is that something that you're saying? Okay, I, I, as a bookmaker, I got to think long and hard about. Or is it just like, hey, come one, come all, we'll take it all.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a half a million there, so it's probably uh, – it's something that we're they're tying their money up for a year, and there's a lot of money in the pool, so it's probably pretty much a no-brainer on that, but there's times when, sure, we have to discuss, and it depends on who the customer is and our history with them, but – in that particular situation, probably anyone who walked to the counter would have got that bet.
0: Now, I heard the, one of the largest bets that you guys have, have taken recently is the on the Chiefs, a hundred fifteen thousand dollar wager uh, on the Chiefs. And uh, again, I know that you're you're liable basically with those two teams we talked about. But uh, you know, with amounts like that, I would imagine that's why the liability is there, right?
2: Yeah, we're okay with the Chiefs. Uh, anytime the favorite is bet, it's usually okay. Uh, it's one of those middle-to-long-shot bombers come flying in that, that really usually stings you. Like, I'm shocked that the Browns. They bet the Browns heavy every year, and this is the finally the year they make the playoffs. And we actually win with the Browns, so that, that's a rarity. But it's usually a team like the Browns coming from the pack that that can, can, that can sting you. Usually if the favorite wins, it's pretty good for the house. So,
0: Nick, at this point, how much different are the odds currently where they sit right now on most of these futures compared to what was put up earlier in the season? Give us a team or two where we're seeing the biggest differences because obviously we know things fluctuate uh, during the course of the season and you guys kind of do a reboot, a reset once playoff time hits. Uh, you know,
2: uh, the Bills, I guess. I mean, the Bills are only 6-1 to one to win it all. It, that might be the biggest mover. Uh, I think we were as high as 35 to 1 for them to open. Now they're down to 6 to 1. So the Bills have been a great story. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's the same characters that, you know, the Chiefs are there, the Ravens are there, the Packers are there, Seahawks are there. No real surprises other than the Browns and the Redskins. I, obviously, the Redskins is probably the biggest move. We got them 80 to 1 still. Uh, we lose seven figures with them, but we're not overly concerned about that one. Right, right. I think they were they were 400-1 to one to begin, and now they're down to 80, so they're the biggest mover by far, but they're obviously of the 14 teams left that are the least likely to win it.
1: With the addition of wild-card teams in both the NFC and the AFC, how much better does that make this weekend for you for wild-card weekend, having six games for betters to choose from?
2: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, now it brings in uh, six, seven, eight, ten teamers, depend on you know if you want to do side and total, but just more you know more ways to get it, more ways to bet a teaser, more ways to bet pleaser cards, uh, helps the parlay cards for sure. Usually it's you know two games on Saturday, two on Sunday, gets a little thin, but. Yeah, there's no question that the 3-3 three and three is going to be just a monster handle this this weekend.
0: All right, Nick Bogdanovich, William Hill joins us. Uh, three games on Saturday. Let's start uh, going down the card here, Nick. We've got the Colts and the Bills. The Bills, we saw some 7s. I think we're around 6.5 now, total 51.5. I know that when you look at games in Buffalo, especially in January, people will say, hey, you know, let's play the under here, especially when you have a defense like the Colts and Bills who traditionally have been pretty good. But as we've seen with the Colts, that defense has been giving up some points recently here. Uh, Any moves here on a side or a total?
2: We opened six and a half, up to seven, back down to six and a half. Uh, but the public's all on the bills. We'll need the Colts pretty good in this one. Uh, early returns are usually a pretty good indication, and there's a ton of money on the bills so far.
0: With that total, is there any movement there? And you know, usually in Buffalo in January there's weather concerns. I'm not, I'm not sure actually if weather's going to be a factor, though, this weekend.
2: Yeah, we opened 52 and a half, down to 51 and a half. But like you said, big game. Uh, Bills played super high, but this is the playoffs. Now it's going to be a different brand of football, and Phillip Rivers will be pretty conservative with the football, I think. So 52-and-a-half uh, down to 51-and-a-half.
0: How much thought process did you have to put into the Rams-Seahawks game? That game goes at 140 on Saturday with the Seahawks a three and a half point favorite, not knowing exactly what the Rams are going to do at quarterback, whether it's going to be Wofford, whether it's going to be Goff. And I know that Rams fans are just you know waiting to to hear, but Sean McVeigh is saying, "Hey, that's going to be a game time decision. He's going to keep everything close to the vest."
2: Yeah, you know the, we, the game opened four and a half five, which I thought was the professionals are all over the Rams. This one's down to three and a half, on its way to three. Obviously, these teams know each other super well. They played each other twice a year. Now they're playing a third time. You know the Rams defense knows how to you know contain Seattle's Russell Wilson. So. Uh, very helpful that Walford played a game and, and played halfway decent. So now they don't just you know now they have, they have a choice. You know they want to play golf obviously, but if they can't, I think they still feel pretty good about their chances uh, with the backup.
0: So you'll be rooting for the Seahawks this weekend.
2: Uh, it's possible. Yeah. It's very possible the Rams could be a public uh, underdog. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be a two-way game. I think that's one where we won't have a big decision.
0: All right. Tampa Bay in Washington, the Bucks an eight point choice. Nick, I look at this game and I'm saying, okay, I understand. You're it's a seven and nine team, yeah. and it's Brady. But when we look at the the Bucks, I mean, this is a team that that beat the Green Bay Packers and they beat them handily. I get it, but other than that, no signature wins against anyone with a winning record here. This almost feels like a, kind of a trap. I want no part of betting Washington, kind of like what you said earlier. Hey, you guys want to take Washington in the futures. Good luck with that. But I'm not sure I'm inclined to lay an eight with with this Tampa Bay team.
2: I would agree with that. Uh, With that being said, we're going to need Washington for a small mountain of money. Uh, It's going to be maybe our biggest decision of the week. You know, Washington is just so pedestrian offensively. But if they catch some bad weather – you know, slow down that West Coast type offense and the defense takes over and they can win an ugly game, that would be great. Uh, but, you know, let's face it, Tampa Bay's a little more talented. Uh, Brady versus Alex Smith is a mismatch. If Alex Smith goes, we're talking about rotating quarterbacks, but I'd love to see Washington give them all they want. I don't think Tampa Bay has it all, you know, can win it all. I just don't, like you said, I they don't, they feasted on the week this year, and, you know, and Brady's stats against the better teams were mediocre so i do think it'll be the Packers of the saints coming out of the nfc but you never know
1: when it comes to these games and we're talking about the lines and you mentioned teasers and that kind of stuff is there any uh team that's getting a lot of money line action out there that somebody's going like hey you know what uh this team's got a got a nice little line in it but i don't need the points i think i can make more just betting the team straight up
2: not right now uh well, there's going to be three huge teaser games, and that's the Tampa Bay, that's New Orleans, and Buffalo. Uh, but, so there's going to be plenty of teaser action on those three teams. Uh, hopefully some people out there will think, hey, that's too big, and they'll jump in on the plus. We'll have a very juicy money line for them if they do. Uh, I guess Cleveland Browns, I think, at some point, if if they say their whole team's not out with COVID, I think that'll be a very live underdog and public take the plus money with them, I believe.
0: All right, probably one of the most competitive games out there, and if someone is looking for a dog, they're probably going to take the Tennessee Titans. That'll be the first game at 10.05 on Sunday morning, and we've seen what the Ravens have done the last couple seasons with Lamar Jackson as the quarterback, not winning the playoff game, but the Ravens have been playing well, be it against not great competition, but then you look at this Tennessee team, you got Derrick Henry, you got Tannehill, that's nice, but man, that defense – is not looking good at all we got the Ravens a three and a half point road favorite here Nick where's the money coming in
2: dead even to it yep. and, you know of, of the six games this week if, if I if you could tell me I could only watch one of them this would be the one I would watch uh obviously Henry's worth the price of admission Lamar Jackson is as well but Baltimore uh feasted on weak competition coming down the stretch but they still look awful good their defense is getting healthy at the right time Tennessee's off defense just cannot stop anyone. So I think Baltimore is a rightful three-point road favorite, even though Tennessee was the division winner and went to the AFC title game last week. I do think Baltimore will go in there and take care of business, but this is the game uh, I'm most interested in. Yep.
0: All right, Bears and Saints at 140 on Sunday, Saints nine and a half. You getting any Bear action here?
2: Not yet, but I'm hoping so. Obviously, New Orleans looks awful, awful tough to me. Uh I envision them in Green Bay going at it in the title game, but uh, I hope Trubisky goes down there and competes. So I want to see the Bears hang around that game the whole way. Right now, very light action on it. All the money that is on it is money line parlays and teasers on the Saints. Uh, you know, but that's a 140 game Sunday. There'll be, you know, like I said, we'll we'll need the Bears for uh, to spring the upset. Hopefully, they can.
1: When it comes to New Orleans and it seems like for a long time they were trying to figure out how to get Hill in the games, do you think they're an even better team now that they're using both Breeze and Hill, both a little bit more consistently in that and kind of mixing it up to throw teams different looks?
2: Yeah, I think they are better off when they use, you know, Breeze 75-80% of the time and Hill about 20. I mean, it just gives them, you know, it's tough to prepare for two different styles, so I definitely think that's a a, a deadly combo. I think if you stay with Breeze the whole time, they sort of zero in on that dink and dunk and eventually they, they figure it out, whereas you bring in Taysom and now they're scrambling again. So a very talented team, though. I think they're well coached. Their defense is outstanding. Obviously, they got got as good as running back as there is in the business of Kamara and as good as receiver Michael Thomas when he's healthy. Obviously, he missed a lot of the year, but I think they're going to be in pretty good shape come playoff time. They're going to be a very tough, tough team to beat.
0: You know, that's kind of been the the story for the Saints the last couple seasons. And I remember the last two years, and specifically last year when Minnesota came in and had the same conversation, oh, the Saints were a favor, expect the Saints to win this game. Minnesota got the job done, and we all remember what the Minneapolis miracle two years ago when they knocked them off. I mean, the Saints have had problems getting out of the first round of the playoffs. And I know they're playing another uh, NFC North team here you know with the bears but uh i don't know i i'm thinking like you that okay this is finally going to be the year the saints get through this but i i just kind of deja vu for me bears vikings same type of thing
2: yeah the saints have been a really snake pit obviously the call against the rams was the most horrific in football
1: yeah then the yeah. Uh,
2: then the miracle in minneapolis was beyond description so they they've had their uh fair share of woes now they looks like they're going to have to win in Lambeau and in uh, January, which is going to be no easy chore. So, but they're awful good. I, I like the Saints. I'm-, I'm bullish on the Saints. Whereas uh, some figure that they may struggle. I-, I, I, I think Green Bay's going to be all in to beat them in Green Bay. All
0: right. In final game uh, with Cleveland and Pittsburgh. The Sunday night game. Nick, I've had a hard time trying to handicap this game just because the Steelers have looked so bad over the last month of the season, especially offensively. And then the Browns, they've shown some momentum, but now with all the the COVID stuff, and now you got a couple you know, goofballs for them or drag racing a couple, a couple mornings ago. a Stefansky is not going to be there. They're, Alex van Pelt's going to call plays. I mean, I find this game very, very hard to handicap, and I, I don't know what kind of handle that you're getting on this game, but give me, give me your thoughts on this game.
2: That's yeah, going to be a hard one to handicap. You Listen, Pittsburgh cannot run the football. I mean, they just cannot. So they're relying on Big Ben back there, Dinkin' and dunking, Uh sort of like the Breeze situation. All the money's on the Steelers so far because of all the COVID rumors and all the nightmares that the Browns are going through. And uh, Tough game to handicap, though. Uh, it just depends on how many pieces Cleveland has there. I'm not sold on uh, either one of these teams beating a Kansas City or a Baltimore or a Buffalo. So I am uh, i don't see either one of these te- two teams going to the Super Bowl. All
0: right. Nick Bogdanovich, Race and Sportsbook Director at William Hill. All right, Nick, before we let you go, let's talk about Monday night real quick. It's Alabama and Ohio State. We've seen this uh, line seven, seven and a half. Uh, where does it stand now, and where do you think it ends up on Monday?
2: I think it'll just bounced between seven and a half, eight, eight and a half in there. I don't think it goes back to seven. Uh, I think it's seven and a half, eight in that general area. We opened the total 76. And it's down to 75 and a half right now. We're high in the under, but I think come game time, uh, all the money will be on the over and we'll need the under. Uh, I think it'll be like any big game. Uh, we'll probably be rooting for the favorite to win the game, not cover the game, and for the game to go under. So uh, I personally think Alabama runs them out of the, the gymnasium, but we'll see. That's why they play them.
1: You mentioned the fact that it was tough to make a line on Cleveland and in Pittsburgh because of COVID and that. How difficult is this keeping this line on this game with all the rumors about Ohio State and COVID?
2: Yeah, they got – COVID, and obviously Fields got whacked pretty hard in the Clemson game, and he's supposedly not 100%. But we're booking it like he's going to put up 690 yards of offense again. So, <laughs> uh, But you're right. Just if, uh, There's rumor that they'll even move this game a week back just to help Ohio State out a little, which is... You know, that, that's fine. They only played a week ago, and it would be like two weeks off like a Super Bowl situation. So if they did move it, if Ohio State was just absolutely depleted, that would probably be the right move. But We'll see what happens. It's, that's the year we're in, the COVID-2020 of unknowns. We just we just try to get the information as fast as the better and react.
0: And, yeah, hopefully we do have a game Monday It doesn't get postponed. And Bill Hancock, the chairman, is saying, oh, no, it looks like we are going to have a football game, so that, that's good. because. And I can imagine a lot of people, you talking about parlays and specifically teasers, trying to use Alabama uh, with those NFL games as well on Sunday.
2: 100%. There will be a ton of live parlays and teasers from the nfl sunday to the, that game so that'll be a uh, monster game to say the least
0: all right nick we'll let you get back to it man the, mo- the most popular guy he does more interviews and he's more quoted in newspapers than anybody you're the man we appreciate you man anytime guys have a great week you too take care nick bogdanovich over at william hill don't forget william hill that's the sports book of choice at the cosmopolitan that's our home on friday and uh, our best bets Come on out, see the show live. Our man Jay Schrader, the former quarterback, he will be joining us on Friday. Three, well, actually three NFL games, and then we're going to make a pick on the national championship game. So four best bets this week, and actually we got some good games to choose from from the NFL. I know we don't have a full card, but when we really look at the NFL, you know we're not really handicapping and looking at at the you know, the the 16 games or whatever, you know, whatever it is. I mean, we're looking at, you know, usually six to eight games. So I think we're going to – we'll have some differing picks, I think, come Friday. Probably. Yeah, I think so. want to thank Trevor Maddich for joining us. Nick Bogdanovich. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. What's on your TV tonight, Frank?
1: Uh, Probably some more tennis from Abu Dhabi. Oh, yeah? WTA there. So uh, excited that uh, some women's tennis is live. And then uh, whatever else is on tonight. There you go. We'll see. CNN. I know there's a lot of (laughs) – I'm so tired of politics right now. I know, I know. I mean, what's going on in the nation's capital right now is an absolute disgrace. It is. Anybody who is in favor or supports this, get out of my America.
0: (sighs) We'll leave it at that. All right. We will be back at it again tomorrow. Scott Spritzer will join us for some good handicapping as well, too. And a whole lot more coming your way as we talk more NFL Right here on the TC Martin Show. Have yourself a good one. Like I said, go to the website, check it all out, tcmartinshow.com. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.